The past two centuries of Western domination of world history have been a major historical aberration. All aberrations end eventually. Asia will return to center stage again. However, many leading global minds cannot understand this because their mental maps have been trapped by narrow Western worldviews. These are the worldviews of author and former diplomat Kishore Mabubani from Singapore. I'm Usman Hayat from CFA Institute and I'm going to be asking Kishore to explain and defend his views. Welcome Kishore. Happy to be here. So let's start with the word again. In your statement you have this word, Asia will return to center stage again. Most of us have only seen the rise of the West. So where is this again coming from? Well, I mean, a British historian, Angus Madison, pointed out that uh, for 1800 after the last 2000 years, from the year 1 to 1820, the two largest economies in the world were always those of China and India. And it's only in the last 200 years that Europe took off and North America took off. So it's clear if you view the past 200 years against the backdrop of the past 2,000 years, there have been a major historical aberration. All historical aberrations come to a natural end. And therefore, you'll see the return of Asia. But more fundamentally, I mean, as I explain in the new Haitian hemisphere, the Asians are succeeding because they finally understood, absorbed, and are implementing what I call seven pillars of Western wisdom. So it's not just happening automatically, it's happening because the Asians are working hard, studying hard, and learning the best of the West and implementing it in Asia. So you mentioned that Asia is making use of the seven pillars of Western wisdom. Can yeah. you briefly elaborate on that? Well, the, the seven pillars very quickly are free market economics, mastery of science and technology, culture of pragmatism, meritocracy, culture of peace, rule of law, and education. But to give you a simple example, take free market economics. China tried for 30 years the opposite of free market economics, centrally planned state-run economics, and went nowhere. And then when he switched under Deng Xiaoping and tried free market economics, it delivered the fastest growing economy in the world. Uh, so clearly the Asians understand the power of free market economics. And similarly, in terms of mastery of science and technology, uh, at a time when research budgets are under uh, pressure in Europe and America, uh, R&D budgets in science and technology exploding in Asia. So all these factors are leading to the uh, powerful return of Asia. So we've talked a little about the rise and return of Asia, but in a recent column in Financial Times, you said uh, something like, the real challenge of the West is to manage decline. So explain this idea of decline of the West. I, I hope that the decline will be in relative terms uh, and not in absolute terms. I mean, you know, the West represents only 12% of the world's population if you add up North America, Europe, Australia, New Zealand, Canada. And the rest represents 88%. And this 12% have had a share of the global GNPs, you know, at one time, what, 60%. So clearly, that's not tenable. It took massive underperformance on the part of the rest, especially China and India, 
for the rest to have such a large share of the global uh, GNP. So that, that relative decline will happen. I hope that the, in absolute terms, the per capita GNP of the Europeans and Americans will not decline. But whether or not that happens depends on their willingness to adapt and to learn to compete in a much more competitive global environment. And here I, I'm more optimistic for America, which is a very dynamic society, willing to change and move forward. But by contrast, the Europeans are still struggling to adapt and change. Now you said that Asia may well be poised to enter another golden decade of growth. But the news that we hear doesn't really suggest that India and China are actually set for more growth. We hear there is going to be a slowdown in China and investors are losing confidence in India. So what are the opportunities that you're referring to regarding this golden decade of growth? The last 10 years, even though China's economy has been growing very fast, as you know, over 7-8% over the last 10 years, has actually been uh, seen in many Chinese eyes to be a lost decade. Uh, because many of the necessary reforms, painful reforms, were not carried out uh, under the leadership of uh, President Hu Jintao and Wen Jiabao. Now it is clear that the new leaders, uh, Xi Jinping and Li Keqiang, are determined to carry out the reforms. And I believe President Xi Jinping has accumulated enough power to push through the reforms. And if he pushes through these reforms, clearly you will have another decade of golden growth for China. And in the case of India, the performance uh, in the first five years of the Congress-led government was very good uh, in the last 10 years, after 2004-2009, and then the last five years have been disappointing. I mean, India's growth has fallen to 5% or something like that. Uh, I am actually hopeful that if uh, Narendra Modi becomes the Prime Minister of India, and having met him in India, and having seen what he's done for the state of uh, Gujarat, I actually think that he's likely to carry out similar reforms at the center. And if he does so, I think the Indian economy's capacity to grow at 8 9% is very real. And I wouldn't be surprised if rapid Indian economic growth comes back again. So we've, you know, you've elaborated more on your views on the rise of Asia in the coming decade. But what about things like environmental, social and governance issues that define the quality of life of individuals? things like clean air, um, not having to deal with corruption, um, and things like civil liberties. So do you think that despite the rise of Asia, Asians will continue to have to go to West to actually find a better quality of life? Well, I think it would be a mistake uh, for the Asians not to take seriously uh, challenges like uh, environmental pollution, uh, corruption, uh, lack of civil liberties and so on and so forth. So, and clearly the Asians have to address these issues. But you know, if you observe the the trend line uh, of Asian societies, I mean, take South Korea, uh, which was run by a military dictatorship. You know, a very tough, hard military dictatorship. And now the South Korea is run by the daughter of the dictator, and it's a very different South Korea. It's an open uh, free democratic society. And that's how, that's what economic development produces. So I am actually confident that with economic development, these changes will come. And by the way, the, the most surprising thing that is happening in Asia today is what's called the reverse brain drain. You know, for a long time, it was a one-way flow 
of brains from China, India, and Asian countries to America. And that was a good thing. It was a wonderful thing that happened. But now there's also a reverse brain drain that's happening. And if you go to Bangalore, for example, and I've been there, India, Silicon Valley, there are many people down there who've actually succeeded in California and said, I want to come home and see whether I can do something uh, for India too. And I think this two-way flow of brains is a very healthy thing uh, for the Asian countries. So just to conclude, how would you summarize your views on the rise of the Asia and the relative decline of the West? Well, I think the, the important thing to understand is that uh, we are all very surprised that this is happening. But it's surprised that it's happening because we look at history through the lenses of the last 200 years when the West was overwhelmingly dominant. But there was an artificial period of history when the Asians were clearly underperforming very badly. And once the Asians began to perform normally, as well as the uh, Westerners do, then clearly with a much larger share of the global population, 55% in Asia compared to 12% in Asia uh, in the West, it's quite natural uh, to see the return of Asia. So we should stop being surprised. Uh, we should only be surprised that it's taken so long for the Asians to come back. We should only be surprised that it has taken Asians so long to come back. So that was Kishore Mabubani. Thank you, Kishore, for your time. My pleasure. And thank you, our viewers, for watching. Copyright 2014 CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.